Go ahead and get in your Bible to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. Uh, like usual, there are a lot of uh, questions uh, submitted. And uh, like every different uh, time I've taught this class, a lot of questions turned in about discipline. We'll uh, get to those in the next couple of weeks. Uh, in fact, we're going to start on discipline today and spend three uh, weeks on that. Uh, but before we start that, uh, there were a lot of questions turned in related to some subjects we, we covered already, and I want to just thoroughly uh, finish those so we, we can move on. And in light of that, even though I normally do just three or five questions, uh, you know, just to give you a general gist of the things people are asking, uh, we have a few more than that today. And uh, you may or may not agree with this, but I like taking time to answer these questions because I think it, it allows us to practically talk about uh, the things that we've talked about from, from the scripture and practical application makes all the difference in the world. Question number one, how soon should I step in if kids are not resolving their dispute? And that's related to last week, us talking about not interfering in our kids' uh, issues with other kids uh, under most circumstances. And like I said last week, most often we ought to let our kids settle their own disputes. It's good for them to learn that they cannot always rely on you or me to resolve all their disputes. Listen, there are some adults that haven't learned that. I've had adult people in the church uh, have something going on, and their parent of an adult that's 25, 30, 35 years old come to me and they're, they're still getting involved trying to settle their uh, kids' disputes. It's, that's just not uh, a good way to, to be. Uh, always step in if there's some genuine abuse going on. Always step in if someone's in genuine physical danger. Ask yourself, is there any real danger? Ask yourself how the situation is escalating. Listen, one of the quickest ways to isolate your child from other good kids is to always jump in there and settle everything that your kid is involved in after only hearing their side of the story. You know, for the most part, when things are out of hand, all good kids appreciate when adults step in. But until things are, are, are out of hand from the kid's perspective, I mean, understand that, you know, that's not going to help your child long term and you'll do real uh, damage to them. You know, as hard as it is to hear and think about, you know, sometimes our children need social pressure for them to help their character flaws, their immaturities, some of their awkwardnesses. It's hard uh, as a parent to step back and allow that to happen, but to a point, it's certainly good for them. Uh, if you're really praying uh, for your children and praying for the wisdom of God, you, you'll know when uh, to, to step in and when to step back. Generally speaking, I will say this, as parents, we want to step in too soon when our children are on the receiving end and too late when uh, our children are dishing it out. And it's the nature of a parent, uh, as always, seek wise counsel with the specifics of your situation. Question two, I'm socially awkward and struggle to have healthy interactions with others. How can I give my kids a healthy example? And if you remember, we just spent a couple of weeks on talking about how to help our kids get along uh, with other people. Uh, I want to just remind you of something that you ought to never forget in situations like this. God chose you to be their parent. God chose them to be your child. He knew good and well what your strengths and weaknesses were. He knew good and well what their natural tendencies would be. And he chose you. 
And so what that means is despite how you may feel inadequate in this area or that area, God felt like there was some way you could overcome this and help your child despite that. Uh, If your kid is older, don't hesitate to just sit down and say, hey, listen, this is an area of life I'm still struggling on. I'm, I'm working on it. Let them see you grow. You know what? If God would have wanted perfect parents, he'd have made angels parents. Uh, God allowed imperfect human authorities in every area of our life on purpose. And, And that's not to excuse our faults or flaws or sins. It's just to understand that, you know what? Uh, working through this together is just a part of God's plan for our home. Uh, it would be nice if we were all great at everything, uh, but none of us are. And and so just work through it. Question number three, how can we help our children understand the importance of respect for others? Um, Like we mentioned, having the right kind of respect for rightful authority, starting with God and the Bible and you as their parents, that is a foundational issue uh, of life. Uh, So work very hard on this issue like we talked about in in detail, even though we all uh, struggle with this. Uh, Watch how you treat people yourselves. Uh, Your children are watching how you handle your own disagreements with other rightful authorities when those authorities disagree with God, when those authorities don't disagree with God and just you. Your children are watching that, and so you will really help them. Uh, Remember, you've got years to teach them. Remember, most of our culture does not respect rightful authority. This is one of the things that make us distinctly Christian in the way we handle our home. Question number four, how do you explain to your children why their grandparents are not around? Um, This is an older question, but uh, I put it in again because it's a good reminder of a basic parenting principle. God purposely doesn't let your children see what you can see. Uh, I want you to let that sink in. God purposely doesn't let your children see everything that you can see. And so God purposely gave them a kind of an innocence that if you bring things to their attention before they recognize them, you can hurt their innocence. Uh, The best way to help them in this is is just, I wouldn't explain anything to them until they get old enough to notice. And when they get old enough to notice, at first you'll be able to just say, hey, you know what, Uh, Grandpa was busy today and couldn't come. But eventually, if Christ tarries, they're going to get old enough where you're going to have to, they're going to ask, and they're going to ask more questions. And then you know that God has let you know it is time for you to explain a situation to them. But if you just jump in and just assume that they see everything you see, you're going you're, you're to ruin their innocence. They won't be ready for uh, the answer yet. Uh, Question number five, my spouse buys our kids something every time we go to the store. I don't like this, but don't know how to resolve it. Uh, This is also an older question, but uh, uh, again, I put it in because it's a reminder of a parenting uh, principle. Uh, Teach your children they can't always have everything they want. (laughs) Listen, life is like that. And you are making your child ill-prepared for life if you give them everything they want, if every time they have to go to the store they have to get something, if every time someone else in the house gets a gift they have to have a gift. Stop being like that. 
all right? You can only control one person in life, so first control yourself, and if it's you doing it, stop doing it. Secondly, if that person is your spouse and it's not uh, destroying your budget, then what you need to do is you need to pick a good time, spend time praying over the issue, pick a good tone, and have an honest conversation at a good time. And if they don't agree, follow God's order in the home. Um, Question number six, if God gives us only one child, what is the best way to foster getting along with others their age? Uh, so much of parenting falls under this basic category. Give your children what they need, not what you want to give them. We, we want to pretend our children are us or that our children only need what we want to give them. One of the best things you do as a parent is just to have honestly face what does your child need and uh, give them that. One of the things that an only child needs is relationship, learn, to learn how to have relationships with their peers, uh, to, to learn how to get along with their peers. You know, someday you probably hope that they get married. Now, you might hope it's not till they're 35, but, but you, you someday want them to have a good marriage, and so they need to learn to get along with someone other than you. And so help them do that. Now, go out of your way to build friendships with like-minded families, with children their age. Uh, spend extra effort to keep them around uh, good kids their age. Uh, question seven, should I force my child to have and make friends? Uh, having a friend is an important aspect of childhood and teen years, but it is not always easy, nor does it always happen. Uh, first off, I don't think you can ever force your children to make friends. You can force them to stop hanging around with you and play with other kids, and I recommend you do that. Uh, keep them as much as possible in situations where they have opportunity to build relationships with other kids. I recommend doing that. Do the best you can, you can to keep your children in the right place around the kind of kids you want them to befriend and hope and pray for the best. Listen, I, I've been around a long time, and I could think of, uh, I could make a list of names of, of parents who kept their kids in the right place and around the right kids, and their children just did not want to get along or be friends with decent kids. I have known teenagers who had a good mom and a dad, and in every environment you put them, they will find the lowest element, Period. You can't control that, but you can do everything you can through prayer and wisdom to keep them in the right place and around the right uh, examples and, and opportunities. Question number eight. My child talks disrespectfully to me as their parent. How can I help them? Uh, the first thing I would say, good job recognizing that this is a problem. All right. The second thing I would say is stop responding positively when they speak disrespectfully. Well, why don't you start by just saying... Okay, uh, if you're going to talk to me like that, why don't you go in the other room? Why don't you think about it and pray about it? Because I'm not going to give you anything when you talk to me like that. And why don't you come back again and talk to me in a different manner? Listen, we're going to get into discipline starting today, but in practical applications for the next couple of weeks. And understand this, if all you do is look at discipline as being negative things you do, you're missing part of what should go on in the disciplinary process. Make sure you're not setting a bad example with your own disrespectful tones uh, with authorities in their life, starting with their parent. <laughs> 
some interesting uh, but not always serious quotes. Here's the first one. Number one, the child that never learns to obey his parents in the home will not obey God or man out of the home. Uh, that's a quote from Susanna Wesley, who raised 12 or 15 kids. I, I don't uh, remember how many, but John and Charles Wesley are, are pretty noted uh, children among her children and who are keys, of course, in the Reformation and, and, and things like that. And uh, incredible story. But there's a whole book on Susanna Wesley's advice to parents, and uh, it's quite a mom. Um, Quote number two, having children doesn't make you a good parent any more than having a piano makes you a good pianist. Eh? In other words, children are way easier to have than they are to parent. Uh, Some thoughts to ponder about parenting. Here's the first one. Purposely build up rightful authority as an example, especially their other parent. Here's the second one. Never publicly ridicule or destroy the other parent, especially if a divorce has occurred. Here's a third thought to ponder. Number three, don't micromanage every incident in your child's life, especially as your children get older. Uh, Today we're just on week six of 14 or 15 weeks together. Like I tell you every week, I don't have all the answers. I don't pretend to. Uh, I have uh, been through a lot, uh, good and bad, with our own three children. Uh, Watched a lot. I'm a people uh, watcher. And I've watched how things go, uh, depending on what people do. My desire is to simply help you. And I appreciate your passion uh, as a parent to be here and, and learn about parenting from a biblical uh, perspective. Uh, because good parenting begins with the scriptures. Because the most basic issue of life when it comes to parenting is this. Does God really know more about what will make my child's life better than I do? That is the foundational issue. Does God know more than I do about what will make my child's life better? Uh, We finish the most important thing to teach our children, respect and obedience to rightful authority. We finish the second most important thing to teach our children, how to have right relationships with God and others. We, uh, if you remember, spent a whole week on the key aspect of human relationships, which is self-control, one of the most important things that we teach our children. Today, we're going to start a more controversial subject, but listen to me, it is not controversial because of the clarity of the scriptures. Discipline is a controversial subject because we live at a time and in a culture where they have a very unbiblical viewpoint of this issue. It is controversial because uh, there's a lot of parents, they have a lot of pain and regrets about how this issue was handled when you were growing up. Sometimes you struggle to think about discipline, right, because somebody in authority over you was abusive. Sometimes you struggle to think about this right because your parents didn't have a stable relationship and it makes it hard for you to be as tough as you should be because you're afraid of being rejected by your children. Sometimes it was the difficulty you had to have children or the fact that your child has some special needs and what that does is it causes you to not easily be as tough as you need to be sometimes. Sometimes it's the opposite end of the spectrum. You weren't disciplined at all as a child, and you don't really have any idea what healthy discipline looks like. Uh, You haven't had bad discipline. You don't have any, so you just don't know. 
Sometimes this is controversial and difficult because parents are busy. And in your heart of hearts, you feel guilty about the amount of time you spend with your children. And so you find it very hard to be what you should be because you're guilty, feeling guilty in your heart about not being with them more. Sometimes discipline is difficult and controversial because the other biological parent uh, is not in the household and you share parenting responsibilities. And so because of that, there's always this cloud and this fear of, wow, if I do this, how are they going to respond? Maybe my child will go live with them. And, and, you know, maybe for some of us who are not in those circumstances, you know, maybe we should be a little more patient and gracious. Sometimes just ignorance. You're here this morning and you, you really just don't know anything about what the scriptures teach about discipline. And so... We're going to begin the subject of discipline in an area where most people don't want to begin. Most people want to begin with what we're going to talk about, Lord willing, in the next couple of weeks, which is practical uh, application of this. But we're going to begin with the example of our Heavenly Father, the greatest parent anywhere. And so this week we'll just lay a biblical foundation and, uh, and then spend two weeks in application. Um, Some people fall into the trap in this area of believing and it's okay to do whatever you want to do in the name of discipline because you're the parent. You're bigger. Adults and every parent in the world wailed on you when you were a kid. So you said, well, that's okay for me to do. Listen, that's not accurate. God did not give you some of his authority in your child's life to use any way you want to use it. It's a story told about a church that had a little boy show up. He did not have any identification. He was just a kindergartner. But the teacher managed to get the little boy's name. His name was Brian. But she wanted his last name, but just couldn't get it out. So the teacher was really uh, trying to press this boy for his last name in case she needed to find his parents. And she said, Brian, well, what's your daddy's name? And the little boy just said, Daddy. She tried again. She said, well, Brian... What, what, what does your daddy call your mommy? And the little boy grinned. He got his voice a little deep said, Hey, babe. You know, sometimes children are not going to respond the way we think they should. And you and I need a plan for discipline, an action plan to help motivate them to modify some behavior. Listen, discipline that ignores a child's heart is incomplete. But our discipline is focused on what we can actually see and hear. Their behavior, their attitude, their words. We can all know those with 100% certainty. Only God is 100% certain about what is in their heart. And most parents, especially moms, tend to underestimate the evil in their child's heart. And so as we begin our subject today... Uh, what I'm about to teach is it's not the way my wife and I were raised. Uh, it is the way we've tried to raise our boys. It is the way I have watched parents who have done the best job with their children have raised their children. But I hope you'll listen and let God speak to your heart. You should be in Hebrews chapter 12 in verse 6. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 6 says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. 
and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we've had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. This whole section here is about God handling his children. Did you notice in verse 6 that God chastens every child he has received? Did you see that? The Lord, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteth and scourgeth every son whom he hath received. By the way, if you're not born again into the family of God, you're not God's child. But if you are born again into the family of God, you're God's child. And because God loves you, God scourges, he disciplines every one of his children when they need it. By the way, in verse 7, that's evidence of us being saved. He says, if you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? See, God doesn't discipline people the same way who are not his children. And by the way, neither should we. We should never discipline other people's children unless their parents have given us authority to do so. Notice, if you claim to be saved and live a complete disobedient life without discipline, you're not really saved. Look at verse 8. It says, but if ye be without chastisement, whereof, what's that next word? All are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Listen, if you are saved living a disobedient life, you will be chastened. If you can claim to be saved and not be chastened, living a willfully defiant life, you're not saved, and I don't care what you say. Notice in, in verse 11, uh, or, or the verse 10 says, For they, that's our earthly fathers, verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure, but he, that's God, for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Notice there, the motive in discipline is the profit of our children. God disciplines us for our profit. All right? Uh, listen, our disobedience as a Christian does hurt God's good name. But that's not why he disciplines us. He disciplines us for our good. And by the way, that's a key biblical principle for discipline. If you take notes, write this down. All godly discipline is for the good of the recipient. All godly discipline is for the good of the recipient. Notice in verse 11, discipline when it's going on is grievous. It says, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards, so it's grievous when it's going on, but notice afterwards, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. It's grievous when it's going on, but in the end, helps your children do what's right. Listen, God's chastening is always for a good reason and produces the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Now, there are three basic biblical principles for discipline uh, of our own children that are found here. Uh, here's the first one. If God disciplines his children, we should discipline ours. If a parent does not discipline their, their children, they are not like God. 
You say, I was uh, not raised with any discipline. I turned out fine. You were not raised in a godly manner, and you ought to just thank God for grace. Uh, By the way, uh, there are an occasional child who is just so compliant that they just pretty much do everything you ask them to do. Occasionally. Not very often. (laughs) Uh, I'm, I'm not suggesting you uh, flaunt the most aggressive parts of your parental discipline in the grocery store. I, I'm just saying that you are not a better parent than God. You are not more loving because you fail to discipline your children. Now, God has a lot of ways he disciplines his children. And as we'll learn over the next couple of weeks, if the only thing we use for discipline of our children is spanking, then we have not really thought through this issue. Someone asked about public discipline, and and what I would say to you, uh, always be appropriate. We'll talk about this in detail more in the next couple of weeks. But listen, I don't think it's wise to just start wailing on your kid in private. And it's even less wise to start wailing on them in public. Here's a second basic Bible principle for discipline from that section. Number two, our motive in discipline ought to be the profit of our children. And if that's not true, then it's not being like our father. For any of you who have children who are over maybe two, you will understand this simple thing. There are going to be times when your child misbehaves and you're going to be tempted to do what you do because of what the people around you think you should do for the sake of your reputation. Uh, Again, if your children are not there yet or or you're just here in anticipation of of some they have in a family, you won't get it yet. But someday what you're going to feel is you're going to feel the pressure to do something to your children that you really shouldn't do because the people around you want you to do something. You're always supposed to do what you do for their good. By the way, what that means is at times you're going to take it in the face. Because people around you won't be interested in what's good for your children. They're interested in what's good for them. Here's a third principle. Discipline should not be pleasant for the recipient while it's going on. And if they can walk away from it and say, yeah, that wasn't bad. Or they walk away laughing. Then you're not disciplining much like your heavenly father. Supposed to be grievous when it's going on. By the way, that's no excuse for abuse. And you can mark it down as a parent when discipline is grievous for your children. It will be grievous to you as a parent to do it. So it shouldn't be surprised as we think about God's discipline that the Bible not only has that, uh, it shouldn't surprise us that in the book of God's wisdom, there are a lot of things and information and discussion about the subject of discipline. Why don't you go back in your Bible to Proverbs 22. Say, Brother Wally, uh, so few people around my child discipline your children, their children. I know that. I, I know that. Listen, we are not raising our kids the way other people are raising them. We are trying to raise our kids the way God has taught us to raise them. Remember, children are the heritage of the Lord. 
Listen, it is hurting our culture and it is hurting our children for there to be less and less biblical discipline. Which gets us to our next question. Obviously, uh, we would discipline our children if we were going to be like our Heavenly Father. But here's a good question. Why? Notice one of the reasons why we should discipline our children in Proverbs 22 and verse 15. Proverbs 22, verse 15. says, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Here's the first reason. Discipline your children because their nature is foolish. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. See, the attitude and decisions and behavior of children comes from their heart. It comes from their nature. And their nature, just like yours and mine, is a fallen nature. Now, when Jesus was looking for an example of faith, he used a child. The faith and innocent trust of a child was a great example for our faith. But you know what? Uh, he didn't use the nature of a child as, a, as an example for nature because theirs is fallen just like ours. And a rod of correction drives the foolishness out of their heart. Discipline helps their fallen nature. By the way, that is different from abuse. It is just simply a clear command to use physical discipline at times. And the implication is that an undisciplined child will have more foolishness remaining in their heart than one who is properly disciplined. Neither children nor adults are basically good, though children are innocent and adults are not. And if you do not understand the basic nature of your child, you will never discipline them correctly nor well. By the way, biblical foundations are very different in this area from modern psychology, which is humanistic. Modern psychology holds that an individual is fundamentally good. Biblical Christianity says that humans were created in the image of God and man corrupted that image when he chose to rebel against God. Modern psychology holds that an individual is a product of his environment. Therefore, a person's inadequacies are the result of his parents' inadequacies. In other words, well, he can't hold a job because his dad didn't have a job. Well, he's got several ma failed marriages because his mom was untrustworthy. Uh, therefore, he can't trust women. Listen, biblical Christianity holds that you and I are solely and fully responsible for our sinful behavior, and only by accepting personal accountability can we receive forgiveness and rise above our circumstances. Modern psychology says that people can be saved by getting counsel. By a trained counselor. Now, I'm not against getting uh, the right kind of counsel by a trained counselor, but understand, biblical Christianity teaches that salvation is only by faith in Christ. Modern psychology, socialism, communism, they will always fail. Always. Because they fail to recognize human nature. Sadly, a lot of Christian people they don't understand psychology's foundation of sand, and you believe everything psychologists teach. You read blogs and, and books by people. You don't know them. You don't know where they're coming from. You don't know how their kids are. You don't know a thing about their home, and you just assume that they know what they're talking about because they have a typewriter and a blog. 
Listen, there's some real idiots putting stuff on the Internet. Every parent wants to reduce the foolish decisions their children make. Notice in Proverbs 17, why should I discipline? I know a lot of you think this is boring stuff. You want to get down to the nuts and bolts about it, and and I do too. But listen, there's a foundational, there's some foundational reasons why we do this. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 25. It says, A foolish son is a grief to his father, and bitterness to her that bear him. Notice what happens to the parents if the child turns out foolish. <laughs> it's a grief to his father. Bitterness to her that bear him. Here's number two. A painful future awaits parents who refuse to properly discipline their children. Do you remember what we read a moment ago? Uh, A rod of correction drives foolishness from the heart of a child. And if your child ends up living a foolish life, it's going to hurt you. Though our discipline is for our children, it impacts us as parents because our future is inex- it is permanently linked. Whether your child is 2 or 52, it, you are still their parent. I, I just turned 60 this past January, which means I'm almost 61. Do you know at this age, I'm blessed to have my parents still alive. It still means a lot to me for my parents to be proud of me. I've been out of their house since I was 19. I might have been one month short of 19. I have not lived at home. But God designed a link between us and our parents that is unbreakable for life. And if you fail in this issue to drive the foolishness from their heart with proper discipline, that foolishness you fail to drive out is going to cause them to make more foolish decisions, which is going to hurt you. Look at Proverbs 23. Notice what it says in verse 13. It says, Withhold not correction from the child. For if thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with a rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. <laughs> Listen, it is much easier for a child to understand God's consequences for sin when we have properly taught them about the consequences for disobedience to us. I would to God that every parent saw the real danger of hell for their children in the future if they do not understand that there are real consequences associated with sinning against God. By the way, one of the best things you teach your children when you discipline is this. There are consequences associated with actions. I hope everybody in here has gotten to the place where you understand that one of the biggest problems amongst the people we know is they have never linked consequences with their choices. You properly disciplining your child begins and starts that link. Go up to Proverbs 29 and we'll be done. You say, good, I'm sick of this lesson, no day. I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, implying that, you know, the day your child comes home from the hospital, you have to start wailing on them. I'm not implying that. We'll, we'll talk about that in the coming weeks about when to start. 
But I'm just saying, you better, you, you need to start disciplining your children when the time is right. And notice in Proverbs 29:15, said the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Here's the third thing: proper discipline makes our children wiser. Did you notice how these three things are linked? The rod of correction drives foolishness from a child. Did you, did you notice then that if they make these foolish decisions, it's going to hurt you in addition to hurting them? Did you notice that if you choose to discipline, it's not just that you drive uh, foolishness out of their heart. You bring wisdom in their heart. You don't have to lift your hand, but I know the desire of every parent here is that if your child is seven, they would be as wise as a seven-year-old can be. That if your child is 13, that they would be as wise as a 13-year-old can be. That if your child is 17, that they would be as wise as a 17-year-old can be. And one of the things that gives them wisdom for their spot in life is proper discipline. Every parent wants their children to make wise choices. Everybody in this room by this time is well aware of the fact that between 15 and 25, most people make the decisions that will affect them for decades and very often all their life. Between 15 and 25, people choose whether they will get an education or a skill. People choose most of the time who they will spend their life with. They choose whether they will pursue the faith of their parents. They choose whether they're going to damage their mind and their body with drugs and alcohol and immorality. I mean, understand that between 15 and 25, many of them are choosing lifelong friends. It is so important that you and I properly discipline them because you and I, as their parents, we want them to be as wise as possible. But all this brings up some logical questions. Do I treat boys and girls differently? What is a rod? Five times in Proverbs, it's linked with discipline. When should I start using discipline? When should I stop? What kinds of principles should guide me as I discipline? Is physical discipline always the answer? Listen, these are complicated questions, and we'll talk about them. What is proper biblical discipline? When do I start? Where do I stop? What principles should guide me? What should I do? And that's what we'll cover in the next couple of weeks. You should have a little square of paper. As always, write something down on it, some kind of a question, comment, smiley face, and then just fold it in half. And if you would, just set it right over here on the steps, and then I'll get them uh, after church. Uh, Thank you for coming today. God bless you. You're dismissed.